You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Goop time with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Executive producer Declan Goff filling in for Judd, who's out at training camp. I believe you dubbed me Wally Pip the last time you and I did this about a month ago, Dukes. Absolutely. So I, I, That's why you're back, Declan. We could have gone yeah. with any number of potential replacements. Judd is busy you know, to undergo yet another COVID test. We have to undergo COVID yes. testing out there at Vikings. For Judd to go a little bit earlier than normal, go get his COVID test done. He can now pepper Mike Zimmer with a bunch of questions mm-hmm. here in the next few minutes. So, yeah, he's – He's tied up out in Egan. So, yeah, this is why you're here. Like, we could have gone with <laughs> producer AJ. We could have called in weekend guy Manny Hill. I'm telling That's you. Right. Like, there were numerous options. <laughs> and I said, I said to Phil Mackey, the executive producer, the boss, the program director, he wears so many different hats. I said, give nice. me Declan Goff. This podcast can't succeed at all. We can debate whether it succeeds to begin with, True. just with my presence, but it has no chance to succeed unless Declan Goff is a part of it. We'll, we'll get into some twin stuff later on, but dude, because I went to the I went to Target Field as a fan on Sunday, and uh, uh, the person I was with was asking me about the team. She wasn't very familiar, and then the starting pitcher was announced. She goes, "Who is that guy?" I said, "I actually don't know who that is." And it was Charlie Barnes, who actually pitched very well on Sunday for the Twins. But I actually had no idea who Charlie Barnes is. So I, I'm Charlie Barnes, okay? I've come up here for a couple spot starts. Can I lock in a rotation spot in 2022? I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see there. Uh, Dukes, obviously the news of earlier this morning here on Tuesday was the uh, the Timberwolves were able to acquire Patrick Beverly uh, from the Memphis Grizzlies uh, for Jarrett Culver, Wancho Hernan Gomez. We had Dane Moore on, on Mackie and Judd earlier today, kind of breaking down literally seconds before we hit record. That news dropped, and we, and we uh, were able to talk about it there. But what, what have you been hearing about the pursuit of Patrick Beverly, and do you like the fit for the Timberwolves going forward? Yeah, I mean, this was a trade I would have made, Declan. Gerson Rosas' interest in Patrick goes way back. They were together in Houston. Patrick Beverly's backstory is nothing short of amazing. Playing in Russia, playing in some other countries. Like, it wasn't an easy path for him to become an NBA player. Now, at this point, making over $14 million a year. He has hit the jackpot for life. Rosas, Daryl Morey, others with the Rockets many, many, many years ago, eight, nine years ago, pursued him overseas. So he's been on Gerson's radar for a really long time. The Wolves have a glaring need for a backup point guard. Now, it is interesting to me, Declan, that literally the minute after free agency started a couple Mondays ago in Los Angeles, the first meeting the Wolves had was with Jordan McLaughlin, selling him on the idea that, hey, Jordan, We want you to be our number two point guard. We are ready to hand you the keys to that job, give you more of an opportunity. It's just a reminder, Declan, it's a cutthroat business. We've talked about this before. It's just another reminder when the Wolves, and to their credit, they haven't done this for a while, but Gerson certainly in the past has championed this idea that it's pretty much kumbaya, let's hold hands, we're one big happy family. 
that's a bunch of garbage. And now we have further proof because at this point, like I hope the Wolves work out a signing trade with McLaughlin, get back some sort of asset, even if it's just a future second round pick. I think there'll be an opportunity for that to take place. But Beverly, he's a bulldog. Like Declan, mm-hmm. when you think about this team needing a veteran presence, Ricky Rubio gone, Ed Davis gone, he helps in that regard. Now, you know, how he's thinking right now, you know, I'd be curious to hear like his immediate reaction to being moved here to Minnesota. That might be pretty fascinating. He is represented by the same agent that represents Jared Vanderbilt. So maybe that pushes along the Vanderbilt discussion, restricted free agent. I was told the other day, literally everything is on the table on the Vanderbilt front. That includes signing the qualifying offer for just over $2 million, then electing unrestricted free agency a year from now. But I think if I had to bet, I I think a multi-year deal gets done. So the Wolves now have 11 guys under contract. I'm not counting restricted free agents, Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin. They're like seven to eight-ish million dollars under the luxury tax. So they have some money to play with. A reminder to you, like you can go over the luxury tax right now. You just need to get under before the end of the season. Now, you know, to get under, they might have to move like a Jake Lehman expiring contract in, you know, early February and attach some sort of sweetener to move a contract like that. But they can, if they wanted to, go into the luxury tax right now. I like the roster flexibility. Nathan Knight, a guy they signed to a two-way deal, has looked really good in Vegas. And I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in Las Vegas, but that's what good players are supposed to do. Look good in Summer League. Nathan Knight played 33 games for the Atlanta Hawks last year. You know, the runner-up in the Eastern Conference. Like, he's a legit NBA player. So at some point, the Wolves may need to do what they did with Nas Reed. Convert Nathan Knight from a two-way to a standard NBA deal. So trading two guys for one offers that much more roster flexibility if they need to get to that point of signing Knight to a standard deal. And, I mean, heck, uh, Culver, Hernan Gomez, Declan, like, they weren't going to contribute at all next year. Now, Culver is 22. Like, I'm not writing the final chapter on his NBA career. The Wolves tried to turn him into a 3 and D guy. That's not his game. Like, go back and watch Texas Tech film. He's a mid-range guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he gets an opportunity to showcase showcase his skill set in Memphis. But it just it wasn't going to happen here. And, you know, Hernan Gomez, it wasn't going to happen here either. You know, so the Wolves bring in Beverly, who can help them. It's another monster expiring contract if you need something like that at the trade deadline. So they now have Torrey and Prince, monster expiring contract. They have Patrick Beverly, monster expiring contract. So in terms of future, you know, potential flexibility, in terms of helping them immediately, like this this is a trade I would have done. But also, Declan, I probably would have just kept Ricky Rubio. Like mm-hmm. Rubio had COVID a year ago, came into camp out of shape. It was a miserable year. You know, like I don't think you can spin it any other way for Rubio here. But you watch him in Tokyo. He looks like, and I get it, the international game is a different game. He's dominated on the international scene for a long time. but. Like, you watch those Spain games, you know, in Tokyo, the exhibition games. He looks like the Rubio of a few years ago. I'd rather have that player than Patrick Beverly. But the way they did some things and, you know, that Rubio-Prince trade did give them 
a little bit more flexibility if there maybe is another move that we just don't know about as they continue to pursue, whether it's a Ben Simmons or a Lori Markinen. You know, if, if a deal like that happens, okay, you know, then all these moves make a little bit more sense. But I'm just telling you, I'd rather have Rubio than Beverly. But the way they were currently constructed, like this is a trade I absolutely would have done. So I give them a thumbs up on, on this very specific transaction. In terms of the uh, cap ramifications, our friend Bobby Marks tweeted out this morning, a, a friend of your show on the Scoop podcast and on Mackie and Judd as well. He said, Patrick Beverly at 14.2, Minnesota at 9.2 below the tax, and right now 11 players under contract for Minnesota. So, yeah, still some some wiggle room there. Uh, Dubes, Dane also threw out after he hopped off with us on Mackie and Judd that the Wolves were also considering maybe making a move for Marcus Smart uh, with Boston. And now... You also replied back saying that, you know, that probably would have taken a hell of a lot more than Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver to get there. But just from a 30,000-foot view, uh, would you would you rather have had the Wolves push more assets to get Marcus Smart, or would you rather have them do what they did, uh, giving up Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver to get Patrick Beverly instead? Well, so Smart ultimately signs an extension with Boston, four years, almost $80 million. I really like Marcus Smart, but to pay him that much money, and if you're the Wolves, you would have had to give up Jaden McDaniels, maybe more. Like, I'd rather have McDaniels and mm-hmm. Beverly and not pay Marcus Smart nearly $20 million a year. But I like Marcus Smart. I know Brad Stevens, who now runs the Celtics, thinks the world of Smart. I mean, that goes back to Declan. 98% of NBA trades that are talked about never happen. Like, the Wolves have, especially with Gerson, I mean, they've poked around on a lot of guys. So, yeah, I mean, Dane is spot on. Yeah, Marcus Smart is a guy that absolutely has fans in the Wolves front office. I just don't know if there ever really was any sort of, like, legitimate logical path to the Wolves actually acquiring him. And remember, I had the report Boston did kick the tires at one point on Ricky Rubio. So when Boston was kicking the tires on on Rubio before they, they dealt him to Cleveland, you know, that's when that's when Marcus's name came up. A little bit of reckless speculation, too, from Phil Mackey from our show earlier this morning. Reckless speculation. And I believe he got this from Keith Sang or another, uh, some other people in the Wolves blogosphere. But they kind of think, with the addition of Pat Beverly, who was just moved, what, from the Clippers to the Grizzlies and now on the Timberwolves, so his you know, third team in two weeks here, um, that Beverly could actually be another asset used in a possible trade to land Ben Simmons. I know Woj had a bomb today. Not, I guess not a bomb, but uh, a nugget, I guess I should say, on ESPN that the Wolves are still intriguing and still intrigued and inquiring on Ben Simmons from the Sixers, but they're still looking for that third team. Does Patrick Beverly's contract, in addition, help the pursuit of a Ben Simmons trade, Dukes? How, how, do you, how would you kind of look at that right now? Well, it doesn't hurt. I mean, Philadelphia had no interest in Jared Culver and Wancho Hernan Gomez. You know, considering, you know, Daryl Morey's history with Patrick Beverly, I think Beverly moves the needle more for Morey than those two guys certainly did. And as long as Ben Simmons is in Philadelphia, the Wolves are going to continue to pester the Sixers with inquiries, with different ideas. And as we've said for weeks, there just isn't a logical match. You know, a one-for-one, when I say one-for-one, one-team with another team, Philadelphia, Minnesota. There just there isn't a trade match that lands Ben Simmons here in Minnesota. So we've said for weeks the Wolves need to need to involve minimum a third team. Who knows? Maybe even a fourth team. You know, and how many fourteen trades happen? I mean, they're pretty rare. 
I think there actually was a five team trade <laughs> about a week ago, you know, but that was some other parts that came in late. It just, there's so many moving parts with a multi-team trade. They're difficult, not impossible, but difficult. But as long as Ben Simmons is there, Declan, yeah, the Wolves are going to make every effort to land him here. They want Ben Simmons. It goes back to what I said, you know, pre-draft, going back to June. The Wolves, quote, want Ben Simmons badly. Nothing has changed on that front. Let me add one thing, Declan. I was going back and forth with somebody who knows Patrick Beverly well. In fact, yeah. I'm trying to track down his trainer. So he's from he's from the west side of Chicago. So he's got a trainer down there to train some other NBA guys. I'm trying to track down his trainer. But anyway, I just I was curious, you know, with Gerson's history with Beverly, you know, and Beverly, would he be happy or not? I'm told he is happy. He likes this move. Right now, Patrick Beverly, remember I said, hey, Declan, I'd love to hear, you know, just that initial reaction. Mm-hmm. I think he was hurt when the Clippers moved him. You know, like that's his franchise, his guys, Kawhi, Paul George. But like Minnesota or Memphis, I'm just I'm led to believe that Patrick Beverly is happy with today's news. Uh, also, uh, uh, Malik Beasley what, was released from Wright County Jail earlier this morning as well. Dukes, um, uh, is, is Malik still part of the, of the Wolves' future plans here? Like, do you envision him still being part of the rotation and part of 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 the Wolves' pursuit of making the postseason here next season when this and the NBA season doesn't open up in a couple months? Yeah, well, he'll be here. Yeah, 78 days. In jail. Now, there was a work release where he was able to go to Mayo Clinic Square and get some work in with the Wolves coaches. So it's not like he was just stuck in his jail cell the last 78 days. But, yeah, he had to go back there. That was just a work release deal. Now he's officially a free man as of 7.09 this morning out of Wright County Jail. I would say this, Declan. Like, they're married to Anthony Edwards. Yep. They're married to Carl Anthony Towns. For the most part, they are married to D'Angelo Russell. Are they married to Malik Beasley? No. If it takes Malik Beasley to land Ben Simmons, the Wolves are going to move Malik Beasley. But they look at it like, hey, it's a team option for that fourth year at $14.5 million a year. Like, look at the contract Doug McDermott just got. He still can play, but would you rather have Doug McDermott or Malik Beasley? I think he'd rather have Beasley, Mm -hmm. even with his – defensive faults not that Doug doesn't have those faults too but Malik is a very gifted offensive player so like he can help them so yeah like I think he's here opening night but is he here opening night of the 2022-2023 season I don't know if I would say that uh and Dukes one last Wolves note before we move on to uh, other topics here Uh, how are the Wolves planning to uh to round out their coaching staff now under uh under Chris Finch for this season yeah so the number one assistant is Micah Norrie We were on top of that going back many weeks. Pablo Prigioni is their number two assistant. So they are looking to fill the number three assistant role. Joseph Blair elevated. He left here, was the number three here, although he was going to have a lot of defensive responsibilities, but he was the number three here. He goes to the Washington Wizards to be their number two. So that is a step up. So I'm happy for Joseph Blair, more of a growth opportunity also in Washington. I'm told that the Wolves are pretty open-minded, Declan. Now, you know, logic points to the idea of them hiring a coach with with some defensive chops, right? And yeah, it's entirely possible they go that route. But I'm told they're pretty open-minded. They can spread if need be, if the right candidate emerges. They can spread some of those defensive coaching responsibilities, you know, among themselves, you know. And, and Finch has even told me in, in some one-on-one chats, Declan, like, yeah, you know, offense is, is maybe, you know, his bread and butter. 
But, like, he's got some defensive coaching chops. He had to coach defense when he coached overseas. Like, he knows how to coach defense. You know, and you still need the personnel. Like, the Wolves still have a ways to go, and that's where Beverly will help. I mean, you know, he can be he can be just a, a dog on on defense. You know, sometimes over the top, but this team probably needs a little bit of that of that swagger. So Beverly's going to help in that regard. But to answer your question, Declan, I'm just I'm told they have an open mind. I can't give you any specific names right this second, but that they're open minded. That they're not married to the idea of just having to force feed themselves a defensive coordinator. Uh, transition to the Gridiron Dukes. Uh, obviously, the Vikings had their first preseason game against the Denver Broncos. Basically started entirely of backups. They still got throttled. Uh, but at the same time, rosters being trimmed down here slowly and slowly getting to 53. Justin Jefferson was back at practice. Um, what, what Viking scoops uh, do you have in your bag here as a uh, training camp still charges on? Yeah, I was out there on Monday, Declan. Justin Jefferson looked really good. I was standing right at the the door that leads out to the practice field. You know, he came out, he ran out, he declared, he shouted, I'm back. And just watching him, yeah, I mean, you would have never realized he missed whatever it was, seven, eight, nine, ten days. You know, he's fine. You know, in terms of fantasy football, if you if you valued Justin Jefferson uh, tremendously two weeks ago, have that same value heading into your drafts here in the next couple weeks. He looked really good on Monday. I've been asked a lot, Declan, I guess some random Twitter feed I don't know if they're verified or not, but there's not a name attached to it, but they've got thousands of followers tweeted out that the Vikings have interest in Pittsburgh wide receiver, James Washington. I'm told no. Now maybe that changes, but like in lifetime, Declan, as of Monday afternoon, I texted with somebody in the know, I was told quote BS, like there's nothing going on there. You know, the Vikings sat out Chad Beebe, in the preseason game over the weekend. Is that a sign that BB is a lock for the 53-man roster? They they certainly like him. D.D. Westbrook, I left after, after about 45 minutes yesterday, but he was out there in pads, you know, running routes, you know, more so on an individual, you know, drill basis. But, you know, he's making a little bit of progress. They could always put him on IR, too, with the new IR rules where you'd only miss three games. That's always a possibility with D.D. less than a year removed from ACL surgery, but they have BB, you know, DD at some point, they feel like will help them. If it's not week one, maybe it's as soon as week four, they like the Iowa rookie Smith Marset. So yeah, I mean, they missed BC Johnson, but like at this point and you know, Blake Prohl was, was having a good camp. That's a super unfortunate injury, but like at this point, Declan, I don't see them trading for James Washington. Maybe, on August 31st, maybe they end up acquiring a different wide receiver. Like, I'm not ruling out any possibility, but at this point, there is just there is zero James Washington steam. Dude, let me throw in one more piece of reckless speculation on you for Vikings related. Reckless speculation. A- after watching what happened uh, in, in the preseason game and just, the, I mean, you could make a case, Dukes, this offensive line on paper is worse than it was in 2020. We'll, we'll figure out. We'll figure out as the season goes on. We can't really jump to those conclusions. But I, I'm just shocked that with the lack of depth at guard, that you, you don't just at least pick up the phone or even, even with tackles even and look at someone maybe like Russell Okung who is still out there. Um, I know what uh, uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who is banged up and probably won't even be ready to start the season. He's still out there. Is there any possibility with the Vikings still having about eleven, twelve million dollars in cap space that they could still pick up the phone and maybe bring someone in, even just for depth-wise, 
as uh, as training camp marches on? Well, I mean, maybe Declan. I can tell you specifically on Russell Okung. As of Saturday, no inquiries, nothing going on there. I agree. Like you can make a case, Riley Reef was their best offensive lineman yeah. last year. Some might say it was Brian O'Neill. If it's Reef, then O'Neill was was the second best. You feel good about the right tackle spot. Brian O'Neill eventually here is going to get paid. I still see a contract extension being worked out, but you're worse off at left tackle. Ezra Cleveland moves from right guard to left guard, yet he's a tackle by trade. I don't think he would ever admit it on the record, but at some point, maybe it's when he's an ex-Viking, I think the story will come out that, you know, like he looks at himself as a tackle. Not that he's like pissed off. I mean, you want to play. And so if you can contribute, get on the field, fine. It's not like, you know, he's throwing a tantrum or anything crazy, but he views himself as a tackle. Yet you've got him at left guard. Garrett Bradbury at this point, first round pick, he hadn't lived up to, to first round pick potential, right? He's been underwhelming, but he's really your only center. Then at right guard, Ole Udo having a good camp. But yeah, like you go across the line, like who inspires you? It's the right tackle. That's about it, right? Von Miller, very complimentary last week yeah. of Brian O'Neill. You feel good. You feel really good about Brian O'Neill. And this organization, Declan, they've invested the resources in the offensive line. When you think about O'Neill, second-round pick, and Wyatt Davis, third-round pick, Bradbury, first-round pick, Ezra Cleveland, second-round pick, Christian Derisaw, first-round pick. Like, they've used really good draft capital on O'Lyman. They just really haven't hit on elite offensive linemen. I did see Christian Derisaw practice on Monday. You know, me and others had the steam late last week that this this next surgery he had, this second surgery, same doctor, Dr. Myers in Philadelphia, that there is optimism that he's not going to be sidelined long. But at this point, we're sitting here on August 17th, all the practice time he has missed. Like, how the heck could Christian Derisaw play week one in Cincinnati? Right? Like, it's Rashad Hill. Rashad Hill yeah. is going to be this team's starting left tackle. I'm not suggesting he'll be this team's starting left tackle week seven or week nine, but week one, Rashad Hill is the starting left tackle. I mean, they sat him out on Saturday. So that's just, that's another disappointment, right, Declan? When the Vikings left TCO Performance Center in late April, that Thursday night, late that Thursday night, after they had landed, Christian Darisol, they walked out of there thinking to themselves, we have our week one starting left tackle. So the situation we're in now, it's disappointing. Uh, Dukes, any more um, any more talks and, and improvements on Brian O'Neill or Harrison Smith possibly inching more towards extension since we've talked last week? Yeah, no specific updates. I still feel really confident about the O'Neill deal happening. If I had to bet, I think a Smith extension eventually gets done. But I feel better about the O'Neill situation that that I do foresee a deal eventually happening. Maybe they announce it you know, the eve of the opener, you know, maybe we find out on Saturday, September 11th, you know, maybe it's a little bit earlier than that, but yeah, I think, I think that deal does get done. Dukes at the top of the show, I brought up a uh, Charlie Barnes starting for the twins. The twins finally just took till mid August for them to start beating first place clubs. They beat up on the Rays. They beat up on the Sox. They've beat up on the Astros. And now all of a sudden uh, the twins look like they're finally starting to win some games here and looking competent. And uh, rotations filling out. Things are hitting. Jorge Polanco has been Mr. Clutch for them. He's already has four walk-off hits 
uh, so far. What what have you seen from the Twins here, and what have, what have you really liked from them in this last month of play where they've been playing, been playing a lot better baseball? How about Alexander Colomay with an ERA below three since May 1st? You can legitimately have the conversation. It's a mutual option. I forget the exact number. It's short of $6 million. There's a mutual option for Colomay for the Twins in 2022. You can make a case that the Twins <laughs> should exercise their portion of that mutual option. That Colomay has been so good since May 1st that you want Colomay in next year's bullpen. Jorge Polanco, you know, the Twins. And I get it, like the Miguel Sano contract and some other contracts they've given out. You're like, what were they doing? The Jorge Polanco extension, as team-friendly as it gets. Like, that's one of the best contracts in the American League. It was a five-year, $25 million deal. Jorge Polanco is back to the Polanco we saw in 2019. He doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. I did have Jorge on a scoop podcast, shameless plug. It was like November or December, and I was agent helped translate, but I had him for like 20, 25 minutes. And, and, you know, he was open about just how much the ankle bothered him last year. So he undergoes a procedure. You know, the ankle is now back to 100%. Like, I think he's going to win a gold glove at some point if they want to keep him at second base. I'm also okay with moving him back to shortstop this winter and just making Louis arise my everyday second baseman. Even if the idea heading into this year was to give a rise five to 600 at-bats, move him around, I just I would like a rise not only to have all those at-bats, but just keep him at one permanent spot. And so I'm open to that idea. And I see all the great free agent shortstops out there if the mm-hmm. Twins want to spend some money on Carlos Correa or Corey Seager or Trevor Story or Javi Baez. But I'm okay just moving Polanco Back to shortstop, I don't think he's a negative defensively at shortstop. But if you really like him at second base, if you feel like, yeah, like he's going to win a gold glove at second base, fine. So, be it. But, yeah, what is it now, Declan? 26 and 25 in their last 51 games? Yeah, yeah, playing good. I mean, it helps. You know, it helps when you're able to play loosey-goosey. You know, the pressure yeah. isn't on. But, I mean, there's been other positives. I mean, you know, Polanco's been – their MVP, but you think about Bailey Ober, you think about Griffin Jacks, double digit strikeouts a couple mm-hmm. starts ago against the White Sox. So I think there's something there. Yeah. You know, you think about in the minors the way Jose Miranda continues to rake for the St. Saint Paul Saints. It's when, not if. He's up with the twins. So yeah, I mean there's there's glimmers of hope. The one thing I'll say though, I got into this discussion on Sunday night on Channel 5, of the five main male, let me stress, male pro sports teams here in the Twin Cities, Declan, who is the furthest from winning a championship? Now, the easy answer, I think, for most is it's the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, you're excited about Pat Beverly, you know, the potential of some other moves, but of the five, you would say the Timberwolves are the furthest away from winning a championship. I will not argue that point. I would argue, though, that I don't think there's a sizable difference between the four-spot Minnesota Twins yes. and the five-spot Timberwolves. I can even make a case that the Twins are in the five-spot. When looking at the landscape of the American League, specifically the Central Division, for the next few years, the White Sox are not slowing down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I get it, but 
I love Austin Martin. I think the Woods Richardson kid has a chance. I've heard a lot of good things. I talked to Rick Knapp, the Durham Bulls pitching coach, used to be the, the Twins roving minor league pitching instructor. So he's got a lot of friends here in the Twins organization. Uh, and he was the Tigers major league pitching coach under Jimmy Leland a few years ago. Rick Knapp's been around the game forever. I picked his brain a couple scoop podcasts ago about Joe Ryan, about Drew Strotman, the two pitchers the Twins got for Nelson Cruz. He was incredibly complimentary. Like, sometimes I can read between the lines. You're on the record. The guy's not going to rip, you know, two of his guys. But, like, he was getting borderline emotional talking Mm -hmm. about losing those two guys, in particular Ryan. So, like, I think the Twins won that trade. So, like, I can look at their farm system and say, yeah, like, I get it. You know, be positive. Now, Baseball America comes out in the last 24 hours and ranks the Twins farm system as 16th. In mm-hmm. baseball, I would have guessed higher, yeah. but you know, Kirilov graduates from that list. Larnick, sure. who's been struggling, so now he's back at AAA. So maybe Larnick needs to go back on the list. But Larnick had graduated from that list, you know. And you look at the American League Central, the Tigers and the Royals both have excellent farm systems, they're not that far away. So if I feel like the White Sox are going to be really good for the next couple of years, then at that point, the Tigers and the Royals jump up. A.J. Hinch is an unreal leader. What yes. a hire by the Detroit Tigers. So that's why you know, even though I'm offering reasons for optimism, 26 and 25 in the last 51, and laying out, you know, some positives with the Twins, long term, I think there's a lot of work to do. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I'm looking at 2022, Dukes, and look, uh, we had Jake DePew on yesterday we were talking about it. Like, you know, in 2016 to 17, they made the jump. They went from the worst record in baseball, surprised a lot of guys, and, and, and made it to a wild card game. Um, you know, next year, the only reason, real path I can see that is if Ober, Joe Ryan, um, obviously even like Charlie Barnes, or also they hit some savvy Kenta Maeda-like trade where someone comes in here we weren't expecting, and he competes for the Cy Young. Those are all the 100th percentile outcomes. And I think that's a lot, a lot of pressure for that to happen. I think they're going to be a fun team next, a, a better team on paper, and they should be more fun, enjoyable to watch next season. But I'm, I mean, it, it's 2023 at least for me uh, until they're they're a lot competitive. I was texting with our mutual friend Sean Aronson yesterday, and I know Joe Ryan will make his debut with the Saints on Friday. So if fans are looking to get his their first look at him in St. Paul after a pretty dominating stretch in the Olympics for Team USA, Friday is going to be the start to go out and see Joe Ryan. I'm trying to get out there and see him either as a fan or even in the, in the, as the vaunted Sean Aronson press box as it's so dubbed at CHS Field. Uh, but I, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's probably 2022 or 2023 at the very least before this team is competitive. The Central Division just isn't slowing down. That's it. Now, Friday, you may also see Byron Buxton in the Saints okay. lineup. You'll see Trevor Larnick in the Saints lineup. My older son, Droogie, is is going to the game tomorrow night, so I know he's pumped up okay. about that. Sean's my guy. Remember, I used to help yeah. broadcast Saints games 09 Same. and 10. So, I mean, Sean is is A-plus. Sean Aronson, as underrated as it gets yeah. in this market. I mean, he just he does phenomenal work with his podcast, Broadcasting Saints Games. I'm grateful that, that we, Hubbard Broadcasting, televise the Sunday home games. Yeah. Like, this Sunday's game will be on Channel 45. You know, they've had some games there on – on Fox nine plus they've had some games there on, on Valley sports North. So yeah, that's, that's great. But yeah, like I don't see the path next year. So yeah, we're talking 2023 at the earliest. Yeah. Now I'll give, I'll give twins fans another reason for optimism at this point. 
I think there's a better chance than not that the Twins actually find a way to extend Byron Buxton. That okay. I think Buxton's going to be here for for a while longer. That that I, the more I hear Declan, the two sides were close enough. I don't know why Byron would settle for 80 million guaranteed. Still think the Twins are going to have to go up from that, but the two sides are not so far apart that I don't think they can come together in the winter and find a happy medium. So I think, you know, Buck can, can stay here, be locked in, you know, can Max Kepler regain the form he had in 2019? That remains to be seen. This regime now it remains to be seen if the Rockies still have some interest in Thad Levine as the Rockies look to hire sure. a president of baseball operations. And I know Thad's family loves it here living in Edina. So like Thad might be fine here, but if the Rockies make him a, a handsome offer, will he consider it? The Phillies wanted him last winter. He turned them down. But whether Thad's here or not, with Derek Falvey running things, you mentioned it. They made a sizable jump. What was it, 2016 to 2017 with Falvey in charge? Then they made a sizable jump, what, 18 to 19. So they've gone up multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, under Falvey's watch. They've jumped up the next year over 20 wins. So it's possible. So they may end up finishing this year with 74 wins, 73 wins, somewhere in that ballpark. So if they jump up 17, 18 wins, you're over 90. You're probably at least minimum, you know, the second wild card. You know, so it's been done under this group's leadership where they've made a a nice jump. You know, one bad year, then the next year is a good year. But like, yeah, I. I need to see a lot of moves for me to get on that particular bandwagon. Enjoy a weed-free summer at the lake, courtesy of Aquaside. One easy application of Aquaside pellets can eliminate weeds and lake muck. Aquaside has been trusted by hundreds of thousands of lake homeowners since 1960. Neglecting aquatic weeds can hamper recreational activities like swimming and boating. Lake weeds can also provide breeding habitats for insects. Make your lakeshore beautiful this summer with Aquaside. Call 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. Uh, Dukes, as we wrap here, uh, any gopher scoops uh, from the football team or basketball team and anything else you want to get out of your chest here before we uh, talk again on Thursday? Yeah, well, I know P.J. Fleck went on the record after practice. We had a presence there. Our photojournalist, Jeff Briashi, was there. He passed along post-practice that, that Fleck said, that there's, quote, a legitimate chance that Chris Altman-Bell is back for the opener, the game against Ohio State. Now, I'm led to believe it's not a knee injury, that it's it's more likely an ankle injury, certainly uh, a lower body injury. We've not been told specifically it's an ankle injury, but I'm pretty sure it's not a knee injury. And we still have a couple weeks to go. Like, he'll be getting nonstop treatment for the most part. So we have, what, 16 days to go. So a lot can change between now and in 16 days from now, but like as I sit here on August 17th, I don't know if I agree with PJ. I wonder if there's some gamesmanship there, Declan, where you're trying to convince Ohio State, yeah, like Altman Bell's going to play. Go ahead and game plan for him. Think he's going to play. You know, then come game day, you know, he's he's not out there. So, you know, like any injury, pretty darn fluid this far out from a game, you know, but I don't know if I necessarily, just based on and what I've been told, if I'm all in on on buying what P.J. Fleck is saying about, quote, legitimate chance he plays against Ohio State. Maybe he does end up playing against Ohio State, but I don't know if I can buy that. It goes back to last year, Mike Zimmer, Daniel Hunter, Tweak. Coaches lie to us, 
And more often than not, when they do lie, it's usually injury related. Journalism 101, why is this person lying to me? Read between those lines. Like you want Ohio State to think Altman Bell is sure. playing. So like I get why PJ Fleck would say those sorts of things. I'm not I'm not upset, but I just I can't I can't treat every word he says or any football coach what they say as complete gospel. All right, dudes. We'll talk next Thursday, man. Thanks for coming on today. Good job. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever. So you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do. So every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.